Edwards, let's put it on. Put what on? The last suit you'll ever wear. Podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves, and we're back from our summer break with our regular episode format following our summer of action specials. Which means I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love. And for our first episode back, I'm joined by Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman host Matt Truax, to discuss the 1997 Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith sci fi comedy Men in Black. If you're coming back with us or joining us for the first time, welcome. Hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comment section on our socials in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers, and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer! We work for a highly funded, yet unofficial government agency. We'll take it from here. Who the hell are you? INS Division 6. There is no Division 6. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth. You're only here because you're the best of the best, and we're looking for one of you. Hey! What's up? I'm gonna get some coffee. You want some coffee? No, thank you. I'm fine. Hey, you guys get along all right? Nice. All right, I'm in. From now on, you will have no identifying marks of any kind. You are no longer part of the system. We are the men in black. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. Series 4 de-atomizer. That's what I'm talking about. Noisy cricket. I feel like I'm gonna break this damn thing. Oh, it gets better. Dad, we have a bug. Unlimited technology from the whole universe, and we cruise around in a Ford POS. Fasten your seatbelt. See, now we got to work on your people skills. Columbia Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present... I knew it. This is an alien, and you guys are from some government agency trying to keep it under wraps. Ah. Tommy Lee Jones. I'm gonna count to three. He'll do it, Jeeves. One. I'm telling you, that man does not look stable. Two. He's always crazy. Why don't you get a massage or take a cruise? Three. Do you have any idea how much that stings? Will Smith. What the hell are you? Your world's gonna end. In a new film from the director of The Addams Family and Get Shorty. Men in Black, protecting the Earth from the scum of the universe. You know how to use these things? No idea whatsoever. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great, Stuart. How are you, sir? I'm all right, thank you. It's um, it's early, but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. It's very no, kind no. Of you thank to... you for coming on. Like I say, I've, uh, you're my first across the ocean guest. So, oh, is that real? Yeah, yeah. Oh my eye, uh, I feel so honored. Thank you. There's a couple of people I was like, so what time is it where you are? And they're like, I'm like up the road from you. So <laughs> oh, cool. well, yeah, I was listening to um uh your episode with Alan Burke 
And I was just like, this is just a duel of wonderful accents. Like, this is such a pleasure to listen to. That's it. That's usually what it is for me. It's like, oh, it's like, oh this is lovely. Because obviously listening to yours, it's lots of American accents as well. But obviously Rob and Alan pop up a lot. So. Yes. No, they, they've they become uh, residents of Metropolis at this point. Yes. So it's wonderful. Yeah. How, how are things in Metropolis? Metropolis is good. Yeah. I, um, you know, Lois and Clark is in its, its final uh season here which uh feels feels weird to be like it's an accomplishment because i've just been talking about a show for like six two years longer than i should have really um well you can have uh, that break so yeah but yeah the the break that shall not be named but uh no it was it it's it's really exciting and and honestly like i'm savoring it like i'm really enjoying just the final episode like this week um after we hang up tonight i'm going to post our final christmas episode with with my friend cavante who's the biggest fucking fan of christmas in the world and it's just like it's just it's just fun so like booking all my favorite guests for their last appearances has been exciting yeah. sorry making sure can i curse or should i not yes yeah yeah i swear away okay yeah. oh thank fucking christ sure. okay cool <laughs> yeah no we we gave up on the non-swear a long time ago <laughs> god bless <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's 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 that it's a you know as well as I do. It's a dumb little hobby that you really shouldn't get that much credit for. But but you'd also put a lot of time into it, and you try to make it fun. And yeah, that's it. I mean, I always deem it as personal therapy these days. Yes, (laughs) if if other people where else would I get to tell strangers my opinions about Men in Black? You know, like there's value here. Life outside of podcasts, because I hear there is such things. I so I'm told. Uh, it, it's it's mostly just work and then come home and and nerd out about podcast stuff. Um, but yeah, no life life is wonderful. It's uh, you know, L A L A life out here. You know, see that's a million miles away. <laughs> yeah, but probably probably cooler where you are. We're we're going through like the hottest temperatures in the world. Like it would be a bad time to you know wear a black suit and. Yeah, drive a black car, but <laughs> well, fortunately they're in New York. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... The worst place. Like, have you been? Have you been to New York? Sorry, I've never been to America. My wife's been a few times, but yeah, okay. just, I'm not a big. So I... I like traveling. I like the idea of being somewhere. <laughs> it's usually, once I'm there, I'm a bit like, <laughs> yeah, here we are. Um, well, that that is like New York for the side. I grew up in in New Jersey, and like New York was was the city we went to all the time. And it wasn't until I was older, like, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, my God, New York's the greatest place. And it is. But, like, I spent some time there over a summer one time. And I'm like, this is the worst place to be when it's hot. And the whole place smells like trash. And everyone pretends to ignore it. And they're just like, well, there's the park. And I'm like, there's a park. You know, like, <laughs> this, is, this is a terrible place. So, so you know, prayers for the men in black in, in seasons like this. See, the trouble we have over here with America represented on TV is it's either a Woody Allen film or everybody's getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure you could argue about English stuff as well. But... <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, so like, let me think of, of English history. There was Jack, there was Kings and Queens, Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And uh, some Bridgerton in the middle there. Yeah, pretty and, much. Uh, and now Luther and Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. There's, there's always been Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he, he transcends it. time. But... He's not, yeah. <laughs> but, but much yeah, like it's... much like your Santa Claus Doctor Who. 
That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I, I'm I'm a man of the world. I understand. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's nice. It's <laughs> like I say, it's uh, yeah. We we could have it worse. So <laughs> yes, yes. I yes, can't really complain. But, how, how is life for you outside of podcasts, sir? Um, yeah, it's all right. Um, like I say, we've just had a really hot summer, so. <laughs> The world's on fire, but otherwise... Yeah, exactly. Well, it's either on fire or underwater. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, no, otherwise... It's, everything's it's, burning down, but, but look at that. It's, it's all good, uh, same. Uh, yes, you still have same. this incredible collection of action figures and graphic novels behind you that I, I'm I'm so coveting and so enjoying the aesthetic of behind that's, you, I must say. <laughs> that's 30 years of misspent life, pretty much. It's... Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> so... so Every time I go up to sort the loft, I find more old crap from when I was younger. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's a bit like a treasure hunting, but I take it you're you're like a lot of my stuff, the prize stuff is still at my parents' house. There's like three boxes, which apparently is like the worst thing that my mother's ever had to store. So it'll come out to me eventually. But I'm guessing you have like all your stuff from childhood now. Uh, yeah, pretty much anything okay. else is probably lost by the from my dad it, just sorting it's... the loft and deciding he's not shown any interest in this in years. So. We'll slip that out, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I got odd bits, and then obviously there's eBay for rebuying the stuff you <laughs> I, yeah. suddenly remember you once owned but can't find. I it. know far too well. Yes, <laughs> it's basically porn for the nostalgia, isn't it? eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Did I need the Batman the Animated Series trading card set? No, but I've got it, and that's that yeah. meant something at the time. I, I did that with the Lois and Clark ones. Mm. Oh, my, I've got two boxes of them. I open them. There's some days where I'm just like, we sit down to dinner with my fiance and just like, here, here's a card. Here's a pack of cards. They're such low quality, though. It's brilliant. The pictures are so. I know they're terrible. It's like they just grabbed a VHS still. Exactly. (laughs) And and then like took a Polaroid of that while it was paused on screen. And there's your card. It's like, I know that's Mike Carlin in the background of that scene, but I can't make (laughs) him out on this card. Oh, I hope I hope any of your listeners are Lois and Clark fans and they know what we're talking about. Oh, I think if they've listened to my other podcast, they know by now. But... Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Most episodes, no matter what we're talking about, eventually comes back around to Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, um, yeah, we'll probably touch on that more in a bit, but we should probably uh get into the main meat of what we're here to talk about. I for would those love to, for those who tuned in specifically for it. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, a little bit of info about the film then. So we're talking about Men in Black, uh, written by Ed Solomon, based on the comics by Lowell Cunningham, Lowell Cunningham, uh, Cunningham. directed by Baron Sonnenfeld, starring Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, Linda Fiorentino, Fiorentino sorry, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Rip Torn, and he's not on the poster, but Tony Shalhoub as well, because if you mm-hmm. get Monk mentioned, you mention Monk. <laughs> um, released in cinemas on the 2nd of July 1997 in the US and the 1st of August 97 over here. Grossed five hundred eighty nine million three hundred ninety five hundred twenty eight, and uh, change based on a budget of an estimated budget of ninety million, and that's according to IMDb. Yeah. And Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, saying a lot of big budget special effect effect films are a hair on the side of self parody and don't know it. Men in Black knows it and glories in it. Uh, it continues the summer tradition already established by Con Air and Batman and Robin of big budget action pictures <laughs> that at least have the wit to know they're silly, uh, how silly they are, uh, which is. Fair, I think. Yeah, um, that's a weird, weird to that's a weird and trio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, the I, ninety-seven come... trilogy of Conair, Batman, and Robin, yeah, and Men in Black. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Conair is its own thing, obviously. 
and and was always kind of great if that's how you want to say Conair it. is the stupidest of the three we did an episode recently on it as part of our <laughs> summer of action series. oh we saw it yes yes yeah. <laughs> um yeah Bat- batman and robin have softened on but that's that's a very different tone than what we have here i do i do love the self-awareness of of this movie and i think it's it's such a key yeah key part of it but yeah, yeah i mean we'll go into it but yeah it's wonderfully self-aware and uh, yeah wonderfully aware of what it's doing as well so sort of to kick off then what are your members of first seeing the film oh Did my you god see so- it in the cinema or I, there's an age difference between us so I- <laughs> yeah I, I, don't, I don't know how much of one but i was it was 96 so i was six years old um it was uh i we had it on vhs over um thanksgiving like um thanksgiving for us is, is thursday i remember wednesday night you know we're off school for a couple of days Mom had rented Men in Black for me, and I was just watching it by myself in the living room. And I ha- was like, life was changed. Like yeah. I thought it was the greatest movie I'd ever seen. I still kind of do. Like I'm so excited to talk about this film with you today. But yeah. like, it's it stayed with me ever since then. And it's like, you know, it, um, my dad's a big movie fan, and, and we'll always say like, oh, you know, Casino Royale, perfect movie. Iron yeah. Man, perfect movie. Men in Black perfect movie you know like you could jump in in any point of this movie and and enjoy it all the way through and just like there's no um there's no part of it that that feels like a misstep or a boring moment to me i just like the the magic of it that first time i saw it has has stayed with me since yeah i mean it's so well paced isn't it i mean the fact mm. that we meet all our key characters in the first 15 20 minutes and we're out of this thing in like a hundred minutes haven't yeah you? or something like it's it's so tight it's wonderful i i miss that i miss the days we've yeah. like, done in like under two hours <laughs> and explored this whole world and the, yeah sorry how, how about you how when did you like uh, i was the one that, that me, had asked was, for this this movie so like yeah what, what are your feelings i was uh yeah just shy of 18 when i went to watch it. i went to watch it at the cinema okay um because Again, misspent youth between it was comics and going to the cinema all the time, because um, <laughs> it was better than being at home. Sometimes you know what it's like when you're a surly teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and then bought it on video, watched it a ton, then bought it on DVD and watched it so much, and then it dropped off my radar for a while. Every so often, I'd revisit it as the sequels came out, which we'll get into the sequels a bit later. Yeah, I was ask. Um, but yeah, and then last night, I think it's the first time I've watched it in full for about possibly five years i loved okay. it it was like oh i'm glad i'm glad it's uh took me right back and obviously the will smith song was massive that summer <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it, and that was, was the a... first time he was really like releasing the song with the movie you know yeah yeah because he's not really done it for bad boys or independence day no sadly both those films are lacking a will smith theme tune <laughs> i couldn't agree more <laughs> Um, I want him to rap the Bill Pullman speech, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and just get a nice little salute at the end. But Yeah, or, do, or just sample it throughout the song, you know? But yeah, and um, yeah, no, I loved it. And it was, again, it, it's easy to look at now and be like, some of that's a bit ropey if you're going into oh. it, looking at the CGI. for. But I think for, for the most part, it holds up. I mean, I watched it on, I bought it recently on 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't have many 4Ks because I don't always notice the difference with them. Because I'm pretty sure some of them they just package them as it, and just the same thing. And I just seem to get rotten discs. But um, but yeah, no, it looks better than it's looked for a long time um, for me, and it holds up really, really well. 
I, yeah. I, I haven't seen the 4K, but now I'm, I kind of want to. But yeah, no, I, I always thought we can get into the effects or whatever here too. And um, I've got some, I've, we should talk about Rick Baker, but um, I always thought that this movie did the perfect, walked the tightrope of like, where are we going to do practical? Where are we going to do CG? And like in, in the same shot, handed that over perfectly yeah. sometimes here where um yeah i'm sure i'm sure they could do you know the re-release or the special edition of men in black and make it look flawless but like i i love that you can tell it's a miniature sometimes i i love that little aspect of it because th- there's just so much craft in in every angle of this movie and it's it's, it's also well it's done isn't it as well it's um mm-hmm. one of the things i love about it is it's sort of the way it nods to 50s sci-fi mm-hmm. both on film and in books and that and just does it with respect and love for that thing i mean some of the sets all sort of look a little bit like you find them in an ikea catalog now and i, I mean that because <laughs> it's clearly but, but it brought it brought that mod thing back a little bit yeah. though you know like i don't think you can credit like one movie to to that type of aesthetic uh, or like changing an aesthetic, but like it, it was kind of it was happening anyway. And this movie just just got there a little before most of culture got to it. But like the 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 sleekness of all the the design of all this, why they got away from it in the sequels, I I will never understand because this this movie looks perfect to me. Yeah. Um, sorry if if you're looking for someone who's to gonna it. have have many um criticisms from this movie this is the wrong episode like no I, no I, this, this is very I'm much so about, jazzed <laughs> it's, it's only the specials where we sort of pick films that you may not love but that's why mm. i always ask the guests to pick a film they love kind of well thing, so. yeah no i i appreciate it it's uh, uh this I, this is a biggie for me and and one that's like quote unquote launched a franchise and whatnot but like was truly never even approached let alone surpassed you know like it's yeah. it just it stands by itself have you have you ever read the comics the the three issues um i've not i've seen bits of some online but i've never actually read a full thing because they're just impossible to find yes no so. it, it it was a saved search of mine on ebay for a long time yeah and then i finally i think i got like two and three by themselves and then or like together and then one by itself or something but i eventually got them and it's just like that's the other thing for me where it's like I I went hard on Men in Black when yeah. I was a kid. Like I I got the little handbook thing. I was reading all the like, you know, extended universe stuff of like when the agents were formed and that type of thing. But um in that too, like you'll read the novelization or or um you'll read these early comics and you see how many things were different from the final product. Um like the comics are not what this movie is at all there are elements but it's it's they're not the greatest books but they're interesting as an artifact the novelization has a lot of like the rick bakerness the um and the and the action moviness out of it so like it's it's weird that some of those things exist just to show you like kind of what could have been you know yeah because when you get to this movie like you said it's it's tight it's fast paced and it's great so it's just such a good lesson in in editing all around you know yeah it's so i mean i was watching um because on the new 4k they've obviously the film's 25 years old this year Mm -hmm. um at the time of recording um (laughs) there's a new interview with barry sonnenfeld on it and he was saying about how much it changed from that first test screen into what came out because originally 
the scene between the two aliens where Edgar yeah. before Edgar kills them, they were warring aliens at one point, and then they just dubbed over them in an alien language and completely changed the plot that way. Um, and then he said everything else was easy to change because it was all done on screen. Yeah, it was so it was so lucky because like that exactly what you're saying. It was it was two warring factions, and yeah. then they just brought it down to like one pissed off royal family of aliens, yeah. basically. But yeah, it was that scene which they just dubbed over in an alien language and put subtitles on. It was Frank the Pug explaining yeah. some stuff, which they could digitally change what his mouth said. And then it was like the text that Men in Black are getting at, at headquarters. And you just change change what that is. And it's perfect. Like the, And that acknowledging that that was lucky, that that's those three moments where that story came into play, yeah. you know? But but goddamn, you'd, you'd never know that watching this movie. Like there's no, there's none of that thing with like, I don't know. Like I love Rogue One, but you can watch it and you can be like, I can kind of see where there might have been a different story element here yeah. or there might have been a reshoot or, you know, not to single out Rogue One, a lot of movies like that. But here it's just, it's so, it feels so concise when you're watching it that you'd never imagine that they were like rewriting that, like that Rick Baker spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on an Edgar Bug animatronic that they saw on set and went, hmm, that's nice. Never mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just redid the, the finale. It's nuts to me. That's it. I mean, because again, this is sort of in that period, isn't it, where they were using practical and CG mm-hmm. nicely together before, obviously, regardless of your opinion on the film, Phantom Menace came out and everybody's like, you can do so much with computers now, we don't need right. to bother with this stuff anymore. And everybody in practical effects were like, uh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> and, you know, a bit like with uh, digital animation, the lost art of props disappeared mm-hmm. for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine there were lots of empty vaults with just nothing in it but hard drives <laughs> no absolutely uh, yeah that's um but yeah and it's um i mean it's really nice to see a film actually get streamlined to be a better film rather than padded out mm-hmm. i mean we now live in an age where if a film doesn't test well it'll probably end up in a vault somewhere as a tax write-off <laughs> <laughs> or no like you say there, yeah, so, to death, or, but, or yeah, we'll obviously. bring in another director and and throw another you know a couple hundred thousand at it and or million excuse me and see what happens but yeah yeah no um i don't know where, where, where should we where should we jump in here i'm not i'm not really sure um yeah i mean just quickly on the streamline and this film works better streamlined because the appeal of this film is setting up that world mm-hmm. and those characters um and the large play of it is the chemistry between um will smith and tommy lee jones oh absolutely perfect it, chemistry perfect chemistry it's it's such a it's a will smith is is a fucking movie star in this movie like he is he is untouchable he is doing his thing he knows what he's doing it's so funny to hear tommy lee jones talk about this movie especially in like the the dvd extras or whatever (laughs) where he's just like he didn't know what movie he was in he thought barry kept telling him to play it like really straight and deadpan it so that will could get on the all the laughs but it's just like he, he is so fucking funny in this yeah. movie. Like, even as he's, a kid, I, I'd argue he's funnier than Will Smith. I agree. Even <laughs> as a kid, I'm going in as a Fresh Prince fan, and I'm like, "Oh, Tommy Lee Jones is the star of this movie. Like, he's incredible." Obviously, he gets kind of the emotional yeah. arc too, and and that whole oh god, that emotional story in this movie of of just the the 
the loss and the longing you feel as a as a man in black especially one in Kay's case that just stumbled into it it's such a beautiful beautiful um character emotional beat for this this story to have underneath it all but but again it's just a testament to how good an actor Tommy Lee Jones is and how much he just was like all right I'm just gonna trust my director yeah yeah because Barry Sonnenfeld thought he hated him (laughs) right and it and it like they didn't you know they did three more or two more movies together yeah um and it just turned out marvelous his performance is incredible it's that and it's the humanity as in that first scene uh, yes, you see the the cops G. how they treat the uh people in the back of the truck and then how tommy lee jones treats them mm-hmm. and just that humanity but then the coldness of him when he turns to the agent he's like don't test me son yeah don't test me young man <laughs> like, yeah I, he, I will not fuck with this guy <laughs> there is such a um you know this is this is probably a big part of why this movie imprinted on me i get to talk about all these movies this summer i, I was on um our friend uh, uh, Alan Burks and, and Rob O'Connor's uh, Superman podcast recently. I don't even think the episode's out yet, but I got to talk about Superman Returns, which was like a movie that totally formed me when that happened. And yeah, like, a real I'm, moment. I'm with you on Superman Returns. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just had, I had such a personal connection watching that movie. And I don't think I felt this necessarily as a kid, but this movie has stuck with me in a certain way where it's like, it's totally informed my worldview. Yeah. There's like a comforting nihilism to the way these characters think, where it's just like, it, like I swear to God, it's it's why I'll I'll never be an atheist, but always be an agnostic. Where it's just <laughs> like that 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 imagine what you know tomorrow speech yeah. is so the heart of the movie to me, and informs every th- every cool thing about these characters. Where yeah. it's just like there is there's it's a cop movie with almost no ego yeah. because even before this story, like K and Zed, the guys who have been here from the beginning of this damn thing, didn't know that a galaxy could be a little charm on a cat's yeah. collar. You know, like they learned that in this, this, you know, week of their lives. So that kind of like no ego and just like, accept that, you know, fucking nothing about what's going on in the world around you there's a weird there's a weird comfort to me in that and yeah. and, and it's always kind of kind of stuck with me and it's it's the thing that i take away watching the show or the show this this movie and and really the guiding light for for a lot of the men in black organization yeah. a lot of the characters you know all right kid here's the deal at any given time there are around 1500 aliens on the planet most of them right here in manhattan and most of them are decent enough they're just trying to make a living cab drivers uh, not as many as you'd think humans for the most part don't have a clue they don't want one or need one either they're happy they think they have a good bead on things uh, well why, why the big secret people are smart they can handle it the person is smart people are dumb panicky dangerous animals and you know it 1500 years ago everybody knew the earth was the center of the universe 500 years ago everybody knew the Earth was flat, and 15 minutes ago, you knew that people were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. What's the catch? The catch? The catch is you will sever every human contact. Nobody will ever know you exist anywhere. Ever. I'll give you the sunrise to think it over. 
Hey, is it worth it? Oh, yeah, it's worth it. If you're strong enough. Yeah, I mean, it's such a... It's got a wonderful, not so much message, but moral core. Mm -hmm. I think because it could have easily been a bunch of conspiracy theorists that are right, kind of, in that sort of way that you're a little bit uncomfortable with it. It's like, because you are yes. kind of just telling me that <laughs> conspiracy theorists are right, and that's a worry, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. in this age. It was a bit more innocent in the mid-90s. but <laughs> Right. You could make an Elvis joke, and there wouldn't be you know, yeah. a giant thing about it. But yeah. But and just Will Smith's so good. His facial reactions, wherein he's being told stuff or processing things, mm -hmm. like the look yeah. on his face when his teacher appears on the screen. It's a mixture yes. of I knew it and fear. And what the hell? And and the oh man, like the 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 gun uh, training scene or the yeah. the gun demonstration scene or whatever that is, is is so beautifully done like the, the fact that his character kind of gets to be ahead of all the bullshit that the men in black have put out to these guys that they're trying out and like i i i watched it the other day and i still don't know like is is the test whether you're gonna use the table or not in that egg room and i think it is is yeah. the test whether you can actually shoot well under strobe lights or is it like you've got to look around and not trust your biases? And I think that is what it is. You know, like the, yeah. there's just the, the way Zed reacts is like he's a little pissed, but maybe he's a little pissed because no one's ever scored this well on these dumb <laughs> tests, you know? I do love Will Smith's confidence in his choice. And he's like, or do I owe an apology? <laughs> it's so and And the, you know, like, He's got a real problem with authority. Yeah, so do I. You know, from from K. You know, oh God, it's good. Now, like, then you have to watch it now, though, in light of the shit sequels, and be like, well, K has been watching him since he was a little boy, and his dad died on that beach, and he's always wanted to train him as the success. You know, like, yeah. yeah. See, um, I mean, obviously, we'll go into it a bit more. I quite like three out of all the sequels. It's my favorite. Um. Admittedly, I've only seen two and three. I've not seen international because I just I've never been able to work with these huge horrible. I yeah, was that's, so that's what mad I've heard. international. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always quite liked three, and three's got that really it's got really nice scene at the end between the two of them. It's actually quite emotional. But um I don't like the retroactively it's a lot of my problem with prequels. It's like I don't need this. It was perfectly right. fine that he just came across a guy that was, you know. Perfect to replace down him. a cephalopoid on one foot or on, on feet, you know, on foot, on one foot. <laughs> he hopped down a cephalopoid, excuse me. But, yeah. I, I, now, so you are, you are a bit older than me. I am. Yeah. Did you have, and, and also we have, we have a, we have a continent, we have an ocean between us. Yeah. Um, did you have awareness? Did you watch any of the animated series that came out shortly after this first movie? I've seen odd episodes. I didn't know it existed until I worked in HMV, which is like, I don't know, the Tower Records kind of equivalent, maybe. Okay. Or I'm not sure what current music and video shops you've got. Amazon, sadly. <laughs> That's yeah, it, yeah. I understand um, what you mean. Basically um, that, and yeah, we had in the kids section some Men in Black cartoons. I was like, oh, I vaguely remember there was a cartoon. But sort of by the time it came out, I wasn't, I was working. Because I worked in retail, so I was working Saturdays, so I wasn't seeing Saturday morning cartoons, and I wasn't sure. seeing weekday afternoon cartoons. You um, were being an actual young adult person. Yeah. 
I was coming home and watching cartoons on video or yeah. popping on Cartoon Network and the like. But um, <laughs> Oh, you don't need to defend. I see the action figures. I know I know who I'm talking to. It's all good. Um, I mean, anybody with a passing interest in art has probably got a little <laughs> obsession with at least one cartoon. So. Yeah, exactly. But um, but that like that is the sequel in my mind. Like they they captured the tone of what this movie is going for so much better than the sequels. Um, I'm not saying every episode of that is flawless, but like in general, they really kind of understood what the show could have been. And I'm just like looking at the sequels, just like why didn't you follow the structure you had? You're like clearly, there's something here for creators to jump off of and go yeah. with because the animated series did it so well for like four seasons or something. They did pretty well. Yeah, because I think they only released about six or eight episodes on DVD over yeah, here anyway. That's, that's the um, problem. Which. And it's not on any streaming that I've seen recently. It's all on some obscure streaming service over here that I got one day and it barely works. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. So, so you get so many more screen streaming services than we do. I'm not savvy enough to do VPNs and all that stuff. But um, oh. yeah, I mean, well, we're sort of in it. So we might as well talk about the sequel. So yeah, two, I remember being really excited for and going to watch it at the cinema and just thinking, eh. yeah. it was, yeah. It was, um, it was that again, but it was but less. Funny. I felt a little bit robbed by the end as well because this again, sort of jumping all over the place. But that's kind of how these things go. Um, this ends on a really nice note with Tommy Lee Jones's character. You, mm-hmm. you sort of get closure on it. It's a bit like going from Robocop to Robocop two. Like, <laughs> we've had all our closure on Murphy. You know, there's nowhere else for him to go other than setting right. that kind of thing. Um, which I wouldn't have wanted to see one without Tommy Lee Jones. Um, but you would want to. Sorry, what was that? I you wouldn't have wanted a sequel from... without Tommy Lee Jones. Sorry. Um, oh, I, totally. That's the issue. But right? it, it just felt a little bit like. Yeah. Um, and I quite liked what they set up with um, Linda Fiorentino as well, but I'm not sure. She what... is robbed by those sequels, man. She was so good in this movie too. Yeah, I know she had a reputation for being difficult to work with. I don't know whether that was a factor in it. I've never really sort of deep dived into. I'm guessing they no. just wanted the Tommy Lee Jones. I think magical. it's totally that. Now that Lowell Cunningham, creator of, of the comics, wrote the comic book adaptation of the movie and then wrote like at the same time a sequel comic came out where agents J and L go and kind of deneuralize K and get him back into the fold. And it's not like a he's not the greatest writer in the world they're not the greatest thing but i'm like there's part of me that would have preferred this as the second movie and you know than the what we got ultimately um but yeah Yeah, the second movie it's he's difficult to work with and just keeps going through partners isn't it yes he keeps neuralizing his partners and like l wanted to go back to the morgue and um Patrick Warburton was too emotional or or too hot-headed you know like and, and just whatever there's some good beats in all these movies and, and when it hits the character stuff, it's, it's the most um, heartwarming to me. Yeah. Maybe not heartwarming, but like the most, uh, I don't know. There, there's this wonderful logging to being a men in black that I think they, they touch on in this movie. And again, it's, it's Kay's whole thing. It's him looking up the girl he was going to go on a date with before yeah, you know, aliens crash down in front of him, and and you know, in in the second one, it's it's uh, Jay deciding not to normalize Rosario Dawson because he just he just can't take one more person not knowing what he's doing, yeah. you know. Like in 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 three has has its character arc that's just like the 
when they hit that stuff in this movie, it's fantastic. Yeah, like uh, that is the most interesting stuff. Because I mean, as a basic plot, this film isn't that interesting. It works because no, everything, everything packed around it. It's a fairly straightforward, isn't it? It's a big yeah. bad alien wants to destroy the Earth by starting a war. Is the basic has to steal a like, thing to start a war and blah blah yeah. blah. Um, because even Edgar, I'd argue oh. Vincent D'Onofrio. This is one of his best performances. Incredible performance. I, absolutely. Even before he becomes Edgar Alien, just that tiny little thing, he tells you everything you need to know about that character, so you do not give a shit when he's murdered. Who could care less that this guy is dead and that we're just going to kill him again by the end of this movie, you know? <laughs> because I, I do love the whole um, you, you can have this gun when you remove it from my cold dead hand or whatever. It's like, your proposition has been accepted. <laughs> no, he's he's fantastic in this. It's a it's a performance. Like again, I was young when I saw it. I was six years old. As a kid, I didn't think anything about him. Like it's just some big, you know, weird alien guy. But the more the as you grow up, and I'd like to know your opinion on it when it first came out, because like it wasn't until I got a little older that I'm like, oh, he's doing some incredible work in here that is both scary and funny as hell and yeah. that's amazing yeah he's genuinely scary and not nothing in particular stands out as scary kind of thing mm-hmm. he's, a, he's mm-hmm. actually quite a restrained villain at times like yeah. he rings the bell and tries to have a polite conversation before he kills david cross yeah. <laughs> he's clearly kind of fascinated by the bell and he's amazed mm-hmm. his arms doing it and you know <laughs> i love the tiny little things it's like him trying to sit looking casual in the van as he's watching <laughs> the alien leave his shop He's just sort of bending his arm. Constantly <laughs> changing his position. <laughs> just trying to look when, casual. When he throws the guy out of the diner and he's leaving, he's walking away and he's like, he's almost having a seizure, but he gives like a, I'm okay to some of the passersby. Oh, it's so funny. And he tries to reason with the guy who's going to tow his truck as well. It's not like he's sad. Given that he's trying to wipe out the planet anyway is his end goal. But this New York is so dark and like <laughs> and slimy and weird. It's just like, he pulls out a shotgun. The guy's got a revolver on him. It's just like Please. let's not. I don't have the time for this today. <laughs> Fuck off. It's a, yeah, I mean, because the way he kills the um, exterminator guy is pretty gruesome for a PG film. Yes, this not is a lot shown. But when you think about that, that's horrible. Good lord, is it a PG film? Is it not PG thirteen? Uh, it was PG here. I might have oh, okay. been upgraded to a 12. I think it's probably yeah, it was... PG-13 over here. But um, I will say, you know, there's some gross alien bits. I, I don't know if um, rental stores uh, overseas do this, but like when Blockbuster had this over here, they cut out the shot of, of Tommy Lee Jones swimming through Edgar to get his gun. Oh, right. So like, I guess that was too gross for some people, but like, it's not a it's not a sexy movie no. at all. It's not they don't curse that much. There's just like some very, you know, honest like ah shit from <laughs> from Tommy Lee Jones throughout. But yeah, it's not and there's no sort of forced love story in it either. Sort of no. Feel like they're setting that up with um Will Smith and Linda Florentino a little a bit, little but bit. at the same time she gets to be a little bit of a quiet freak, which is awesome. <laughs> Which is sexy as hell. I love the little background thing after she first meet him, meets him, where she goes out of the interrogation room. He's like, Are you from the morgue? She's like, yeah, like, boom. yeah. <laughs> and Kate just and you get the idea her. that he's Kay done it so many times. <laughs> Kay doesn't give her a backstory. Like, I love that too. The um, 
the some of the funniest bits is is Will kind of feeling himself as a new agent and deciding to to give um, uh, Edgar's wife, whose name I'm forgetting right now, it's uh, um, Beatrix. Beatrix, give her like a backstory, and Kay is just like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" You know, like just walks. <laughs> off. She just walks. <laughs> it's so funny, but like all all that stuff throughout the the kind of softening of Kay that like. And the new uh, deputy man- medical examiner needs a memory and gets a look from Jay. <laughs> they get a happy memory. You know, like that's <laughs> perfect. That is such buddy cop stuff in this crazy, crazy situation, which is like, if anyone's listened to Lois and Clark is like, all I want is for you to find a moment of humanity yeah. in between all your bullshit. And that's, <laughs> that's what this movie does constantly. <laughs> when, when, when Jay gets back in the car after the squid birth and is covered in goo, and Tommy Lee Jones completely oblivious. Any of that seem weird to you? I wrote that line down. I love that line. The delivery is perfect. The way Will Smith looks at him is perfect. <laughs> it's little things. No concept that that's the weirdest thing that's ever happened in that I moment. I love that that birth scene plays out in the background as well. Now it'd What's be that? a whole comedy set piece. Sorry, you broke up a little the, bit there. What the, was that? The birthing scene. Where he's delivering oh, it's the, all in the background. You know, it all just happens in the background. Incredible. Like now it, it'd be a massive a... set piece with multiple shots and yes. There is such a um a a <laughs> I was about to say New York, but I think I just mean Jewish um <laughs> a sense of humor to this movie. That that Sonnenfeld when when Sonnenfeld is firing, man, is is so good at it's all through the Adams family movies, and it's 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 pretty much perfected in this movie where it's just like he knows he knows when to throw away the big giant thing that other movies would make a meal out of and here it's just it's just set dressing for this very mundane cop talk that's happening in front of it you know (laughs) there's so many great little bits i love the cow watching edgar rolling his ship out of the ditch It's like any other any other film, they'd be like, just lose that scene, but it's perfection. No, it's, it's uh, great. I love the way Beatrix and Again, it goes well. to the the story of just like all all of life on this planet means nothing. Like, why is what you're dealing with more important than the cow? You know, like <laughs> it's, it and then that's hit again too with like uh when Jay first starts firing the noisy cricket, which is yeah. also perfection. Will is so funny in that scene and then like trying to justify his action and it's Kay just like there's always an Archillion battle cruiser or whatever death ray or whatever you know that's gonna wipe out this li- like this isn't new this is Tuesday fuck off you know <laughs> keep yeah. ahead and let's go figure it out it is because it's a little bit like you know um imagine just a show that followed people of Metropolis that weren't in the Superman in a circle to yeah. you know, talking. Imagine what life must be like for them. I have no clue what the shit's going on most of the time. They were late for the biggest court appearance of their lives because <laughs> fucking resplendent man decided to fight <laughs> Superman that day and traffic was jammed in Midtown, you know? Ah, oh, resplendent man. <laughs> Sorry, that was such a lowest and I, I should have no. said Bizarro or something. No, 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 no. I, I... Fuck it. Let them be curious. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is Risplin? <laughs> season two, gang. Season That's two. It. Anyway. That's it. Um, <laughs> can I say one of my favorite little dumb details in this movie? Yes. The twins on the bicycle. Yes. Which again goes back to that just like, you know nothing. 
about what's going on in the world around you vibe that this movie has. But it's it's when Jay first really see excuse me, um, James Daryl Edwards the third first sees um really something crazy. He sees he sees Kay blow Tony Shalhoub's head off and it <laughs> grow back. Uh, and he walked out and he's just like he's just kind of dazed and off there. And these twins in black, I say twins because it's just two people on a tandem bike go by in a bicycle. And it's so one of those shots that doesn't matter. Like you're saying, it's the cow shot that could have easily been cut out of this movie. But it just, it it's just this little mystery of like, was that an alien? Is that just two New Yorkers going by? Who knows? And, and they kind of touch on it again briefly in um, Men in Black 2. And I just love that idea of like, there's stuff in the city that even the men in black don't know about, yeah. you know? It's it's one of those moments, it's a bit like, again, to throw back to um, Con Air with Nick Cage's line of like, on mm. any other day, that would seem strange. Right. Because he's just got this <laughs> massive thing he's just got to process. And I love the scene of him sitting on the bench, processing oh, the decision lovely. of whether to give up his entire life. Yeah. Because again, in another movie, that would just be a quick throwaway thing where he's going to like, yeah, right. You actually see or it'd be some over wrenching, yeah. like he's got to leave his wife or his fiance <laughs> or whatever the fuck, you know. That's it. Some slow sax music as he looks at a picture of his family whilst drinking a bourbon or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's just a guy sitting on a bench looking at the world, trying to figure out his place in it. And yeah, it's and how say, much he wants to know about whether whether his curiosity about what's actually going on in the world is going to outweigh the life that he has already. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting to me. It's, it's a, like I say, it's it's not just the funny small moments. It's those nice little touches. Like I say, Will Smith's got some wonderful ones. Um, the way he reacts where, when he's first been neuralized. And Tommy Lee Jones is telling the story just the way Will Smith's like, huh, yeah, wait. Honey, this one has my popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the fact that him and Linda Fiorentino sort of remember each other in a yes. weird deja vu. And I like the idea that the neuralizer doesn't fully work. You've still got that niggling doubt in the back of your mind. You've still got that little bit in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, that, sort that... of plays into the people that are like, yeah, I was abducted by aliens, but I can't remember much. I, <laughs> so can't... I know it happened, there's, though. There's just flashes, really. Yeah, exactly. So, but then it's sort of covered in that great Z line about, you know, your deja vu, your... Oh, God, that speech is so good. And some of that, in fairness, like the end of that, is from the comic. Yeah. Um, you know, we are them, we are they, we are the men in black. Maybe a little bit more of it, but like that whole, like you are recognized as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. Yeah. We will tell you where to eat, where to sleep. You know, like I, I just, that speech in and of itself and just seeing his like fingerprints get seared off and his name get erased. Like that gives you so much world building and so much to go off of in better sequels that we'll never have. Yeah, that it's not even funny. Like it's such a it's the the economy of that type of storytelling is is endlessly impressive to me. You will dress only in attire specially sanctioned by MIB Special Services. You'll conform to the identity we give you. Eat where we tell you. Live where we tell you. From now on, you'll have no identifying marks of any kind. You will not stand out in any way. Your entire image is crafted to leave no lasting memory with anyone you encounter. You are a rumor, recognizable only as deja vu, and dismissed just as quickly. You don't exist, you were never even born. 
Anonymity is your name. Silence your native tongue. You are no longer part of the system. You are above the system, over it, beyond it. We're them, we're they. We are the men in black. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the world building, just even the tiny little things like the break room aliens and I love it when they're leaving, they've just got a crate full of Marlboro cigarettes. Yes, these little assholes. <laughs> who seemingly get along very well with Kay, yeah. but Zed's got no time for these guys. <laughs> you know? And again, like Frank, used too much in the sequels, but like here, they're perfect. Yeah, because again, everybody's used to the purple, like Tony Shalhoub, because you forget yes. he's only in that one scene. Mm-hmm. Um, those aliens, the twins... That are sort of in control and monitor everything. Yes, and Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's such a great throw-in. Incredible. That is um, that, and the hand over the galaxy or the Earth will be destroyed. Sorry, <laughs> my sorry. two favorite yes. throwaway. <laughs> this is where it says sorry quickly, and then the countdown. Because it's also again the aliens know how little control you humans have over what's going on, <laughs> but also. It's like our royal family. It's our way of life or Earth, and Earth yeah. doesn't matter. So, like, it's, it's what we got to do. We're going to give a little apology to the people that know what's about to happen, and then we're going to destroy your planet. It's sort of very Douglas Adams in a certain way. That sort of tone. But it's yes. Done perfectly. That's a great, great point. I've never made that connection. Naturally, I had to, I had to talk to a Brit in order to put that together. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. It's a, yeah, that's a misspent youth of her. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so many great details in the movie can we talk about rick baker too for a second yes. well yeah i wanted to get onto the prop that because obviously uh if, if anybody's seen the video on youtube of you uh in the warner archives yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm a giant prop nerd Rich, um I, I was like that's the coolest i think i found my like dream job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Although I just to... live in fear of like, you know, I'd be the guy that broke Hannibal's arm off or something. <laughs> oh, I, I constantly live in fear of this. <laughs> this is this is my life. But um yeah, even before that job though, I was working at a at a prop auction house and we were lucky enough to sell off Rick Baker's collection when he like kind of officially retired. He'll yeah. still do some work, but but his he had this gigantic facility out here that literally had its own graveyard just for fun and its own like piece of a castle just for fun. Like he, he was doing very well in his own little museum, but we got to like kind of go through his collection and find these amazing things. And in that I got a lot of like just personal hangout time with, with Rick Baker, which I will, I will never forget. and will always yeah. cherish. And at the time, you know, there were so many things to talk about Rick to Rick Baker about because he's such a he's such a fucking legend in yeah. the industry. But at the time, a a men in black something was in the ether. It was like maybe gonna be that 21 Jump Street mashup thing yeah. that thank God never happened. And it's eventually what became Men in Black International. So basically <laughs> like he was kind of pitched both those ideas. This is this is me retelling Rick Baker. So take it with whatever grain of salt you need to take it. But the way he said it like he was pitched both those ideas and he's like no, that's bullshit. I'm not doing this movie, you know? <laughs> so he's like, maybe I will give character design or consult with whoever you get, but like, I couldn't care less. And it's just like, 
that that kind of meant something to me as a fan of this franchise where like he really cared yeah and it shows in this movie like the designs that that he's he and his, and his team put together in this that feel new yet like you're saying have that kind of 50s flair yeah. have that have that guy in a suit thing um but just in a new way like the the, the movie's aliens are so singular to me yeah sort of on Rick Baker it's I love Rick Baker as much because again you sort of the deeper down a rabbit hole you fall with films the more you find to love Rick Baker's one of those ones that always seems to be mentioned as an afterthought after Stan Winston which is no disrespect to either um whenever I have conversations with people it's or you know with less find the right word people who aren't into film as much as me they've mm-hmm. generally heard of Stan Winston they've not heard of Rick Baker or that's Rick Baker's kind of like well, that's that other guy. It's a bit like yeah. posters. Everybody knows Drew Struzan. People rarely mention John Alvin or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's, his work on this is superb. Like you say, it's there's an economy to his work. It's not flashy. It's not no. Um, which I suppose the Stan Winston gets mentioned more because obviously he's got the alien behind him, the Predator. <laughs> you think of a big creature is generally a Stan Winston. The T Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, the T-Rex, that's a biggie. Jurassic Park. Um But there's 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 um oh man. Maybe it's just because of my my personal history I just said, but like there's so much there's more of an imagination and it, it, showing you things you've never seen before from Rick Baker. Not that we've seen it's, it's dinosaurs before Stan wins them on put them on screen. Yeah. Like, don't get me fucking wrong. But like <laughs> the, the, I, one of my favorite Rick anecdotes was like we were looking at he just had drawers and drawers, flat files of art. Yeah. And and there were men in black designs in there that will never see the light of day that were so alien and so bizarre. And you didn't know like what was the face or if it had a face, even you know, like that type of thing. And we were like, what is this? Oh, he's like, oh, that's men in black. That was, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking kind of yeah. whatever, whatever. But like that is maybe an early Mikey design or something. Like, wow, this, this changed so much. He's like, yeah, well, like, Everyone in the first meeting tells you we want something we've never seen before. We want something that looks completely alien and you wouldn't even recognize it. And then they get it and they're like, well, we can't, we don't really recognize this. We need some eyes and a face and a mouth and stuff. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. he would talk about that. And like in this movie, I feel like he won some of those fights. Like the the Archillian, little Archillian is so like a little green man and, yeah. and very standard. I, I say not not begrudgingly, but then you look at Mikey and like that is its own fucking thing. And that's one where I feel like he won a couple battles there because that is yeah. a beautiful design that you've never seen before. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it is. It's but still familiar enough that you right not familiar like it's copied from something, but it's got those familiar. That's what I mean, Rick Baker. It's not as flashy maybe as some of the Stan Winston stuff that people mm. remember. Um, and again, I mean that with the utmost respect. I'm very much of the less is more kind of mm-hmm. style of design. Again, it comes in with the props. The guns aren't flashy. Oh, God. I mean, some they're of them look awesome. like fancy hair dryers. <laughs> yes, that's very true. And it's, it's that beautiful. Or synthesis. frankly, sex toys. The yeah. the J2 standard yeah. issue side. Yeah, he's, he's is... walking around with a dildo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a cool dildo, man. <laughs> Again, I kind of imagine it's like the old thing about how they discovered the lightsaber hilt was it was just a piece of an old camera that they modified. I just got an image of like Rick Baker's workshop people just being in a sex shop being like, pop a red light on that and a handle and 
the, the end of Beretta and we'll be fine. <laughs> There's this beautiful book that I will hold up for, for just you to see called The Men in Black Films, The Official Visual Companion to the Films. It has a lot of incredible insights into all four movies, but let's be honest, I haven't read the fourth chapter. Um, but they talk about finding the the aesthetics of of the guns in this movie. And obviously they're they're pretty much fabrication, like, you know, ground up builds. Yeah. And all like hand milled and stuff. But they also talk about like doing the alien guns in Jeeves's and like they went to scrapyards and got a lot of pieces, put them all out on the ground and went like, oh, well, if you take that piece over there and this piece right here, and then we find some sort of barrel thing and then th- that's a gun. And like, you know, like th- there's that kind of like um, kit bashing element yeah. to a lot of that stuff, which I think is really cool. Um, and I-, I love that that's in this world in the same way that the just pure, simple aesthetics of the men in black and how uniform all that all their weaponry seems to be. Even the noisy cricket seems like it's in the f- same family as the standard issue sidearm yeah. as the the series four deanimizer, you know, <laughs> like as the neuralizer. It's it's really it, it speaks to it speaks to Bo Welsh as the production designer yeah. and and the prop makers here too. Yeah, um I love the Bo Welsh of it all because again being a massive Batman Returns fan. Mm-hmm. Still the best Batman movie. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um yeah that but I mean because Barry Sonnenfeld's always had a hint of the Tim Burton about him as well and again that's yeah. not taking anything from Barry Sonnenfeld they're just very much in that same camp and you can feel the Adams family in this film just as much as you can feel Get Shorty in this film which Get Shorty was he started production on this went off and did Get Shorty and then came back and mm-hmm. finished the pre-production and went into production on this one um, but yeah and you can feel the connective tissue running through, and I think a large part of that is the Bo Welsh a bit. Um, again, somebody who's largely overlooked, unless you particularly deep into filmmaking kind of thing. Which... Yes, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you'll hear that name and be like, "Cat in the Hat," you know, what, <laughs> what? him. But but such such an incredible design, and again, like I was saying, the the idea. I think they talked about it in one of the special features. I think I'm remembering this from literally when I was a kid, but like the idea was like, they got the guy that designed one of the terminals in LaGuardia airport in New York, which was very much this aesthetic. They got him to build the headquarters and then they neuralized him. And now they had this place, you know, like, and they had no intention of changing it, That it changes later on breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, no, 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 no. This, this is so a part of the story. All yeah. of the gadgets and gizmos of this movie are so a part of the story that it it feels like a betrayal to me every time there's a sequel and the neuralizer looks different, you know? Yeah, it feels like they lost confidence in the thing. It's not like they were certain yeah. toys off it particularly. No, I, no. I don't remember there that. being any real Men in Black merchandise. Kids, admittedly, I wasn't really into nothing about it. It was like, I mean, I'd quite like to own a neutralizer, maybe. <laughs> but as a proper prop, nothing made me think, oh, I've got to pop over to Toys R Us after I've seen this and see what toys I can get. Now, again, um, six years old. Yes. So well, I yeah. had the whole action figure line. <laughs> and they did make, like, bendable versions of a lot of the aliens you see in, like, customs yeah. and stuff in this movie. Um, but, yeah, the action figures of J&K were kind of bullshit. And, like, in that weird, like, we're doing an action pose, which means, like, <laughs> it'll always look weird when you're yeah. playing with them, you know? Um, it wasn't until Men in Black 3 where they did just like a straight on like this is Tommy Lee Jones this is Will Smith 
Yeah, I was so thankful for those. But again, like, I don't think kids were particularly lining up for the Men in Black 3 action figures and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, like I say, the action figures, toys largely were not on my radar at all. I didn't even really cotton on that there were. I knew that there was something, but... Yeah. Which, again, is why it's so weird that they kept changing the designs. It just felt like they'd lost confidence in the simplicity of what they created and the beauty of that. Um, I remember Bo Welsh talking about in the second one, like, in the second one, even the, the standard issue, um, they call it the J2. Yeah. It, they add an extra barrel in it. Because he's, like, he's like, well, we're doing Men in Black 2, so I wanted to add extra stuff to all of them. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the wrong lesson to take from this idea. You know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Says. But yeah, no. Still, I I have a I have an unfinished, uh, 3D printed model of the J2 in a closet behind me, and one day I will I will piss off my fiance then wife probably, and buy <laughs> a neuralizer you know official prop replica for too much money. Wait till you're married; like, it's harder for him to get out. That's what I learned. So <laughs> <laughs> like you're locked into a contract. See, now, we'll, we're, we're, <laughs> we're all learning today, and that's important. Um, but yeah, no, like I am still so aesthetically obsessed with this movie in that way yeah i am also orally obsessed with this movie this way can we talk about danny elfman for a second yes um yeah yeah carry on again I, i'm batman fan so massive danny elfman fan oh, danny oh, elfman was oh, what got me into film scores a hundred percent and it's one of those like you talked about the tim burton of it before where it's just like for me Barry Sonnenfeld is Tim Burton with less of the art drive and an actual more of an understanding of story, which yes. which means that I usually like Barry's movies more than Tim Burton's. Um, and here musically, and I'm just talking about the first movie, of course, but like in, in all of these successive sequels to Elfman's score is the best part of them yeah. for me, where it's like, it is such a simple melody to hum but he makes the orchestration of it as it continues so busy and so full. And th- there's so many different sounds and, and things that he's employed that you forget that there's like, there's like a bare bones, like down to the brass orchestra behind these themes. And it just makes for this weird, a- again, very alien feel, but one that is, that is grounded by just like, and at the heart of this whole thing, is what you know is just is men in black is guys trying to make it work is an orchestra that is that is steering this ship you know like it is so impressive to me yeah. and it's just made like it is so the soundtrack of me anytime i'm driving around anytime i'm walking down the hallway in my mind i'm thinking you know like it, it <laughs> this music is constantly with me i sent you a text today where i was yeah. just like I have a playlist on my phone called Intergalactic Kegger, which is just my favorite versions of the Men in Black theme from the four movies, you know? I mean, it's, I jotted it down when it first came on. I love the 50s sci-fi inflections in his theme. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of, without repeating, it's a nice mix of like the bombast of the Beetlejuice theme mm-hmm. and sort of that light, comedy sort of feel to music which is such a sounds so weird to say <laughs> yeah it's got no, a comedy but music but um but with those sci-fi inflections because i mean danny elfman was your go-to guy in the 90s for your comic book movies wasn't he it was uh mm-hmm. obviously the two batmans he did dick tracy dark man pretty much anything it was like we're adapting a comic book what's danny elfman doing 
and there's a there's a world where Tim Burton directed this movie too because yeah. it was like it's the offbeat weird thing about weirdos who are in black and blah blah you know like that type of thing and and yeah I, I think I mean Mars Attacks the year before was kind of yes. I think if you hadn't done that it, this would have been a Tim Burton movie. Very I can possible. see him sitting there looking at the two. It's like Mars Attacks or Men in Black. Right. Thank God it wasn't, because again, Barry yeah. Sonnenfeld understands yes. the story better than than Tim Burton. But you can um, see why he got it just looking at the Adams family. It's very similar. But mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, it's the sci-fi version rather than and Barry Sonnenfeld knows what he's doing with that stuff. It's a uh, shame uh, that he's sort of he doesn't seem to do as much anymore, certainly film-wise. Yeah, but then that, that seems to be Hollywood. It's kind of like, you know, eh, your last ones didn't really, so. But then he does, like, this is a while ago now, but, like, Pushing Daisies yes. is so a spiritual successor to his Adam's Families and and the Men in Black movies. To I me. adore Pushing Daisies. It, it's incredible. His, um, I haven't watched all of it, but his, um, he produced a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. And it, it just, it wasn't a property I gave a shit about as a kid, so I didn't watch it all but no watching... i quite enjoyed the film but i've not seen any of the series yet i was kind I, of waiting see, until my kids were older but... it, it, it took me hearing barry Sonnenfeld was involved to be like oh i'll check some of it out and yeah. i'm like oh no 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 there, there's something here it's for kids and it, i kind of fell off it but i'm like oh no no, no. he's still he still got this you know like he still yeah. understands how to make a heightened as hell world feel grounded and feel emotional and yeah. like you know, there's no line in the Adams Family movies that isn't a setup or a punchline. Yeah. But you still care about Morticia and Gomez, you know, yeah. and like, and here it's not quite that, but like, I feel, I feel so, so much for what Kay has gone through in in this movie, and I feel those moments where you were talking about um, Jay, uh, uh, Will sitting there and deciding whether he's going to give up his life, and like that, that kind of melancholy to this idea is so present throughout yeah. this movie and that's that's there's a deft hand at work there yeah. to make that work and the we're gonna blow up the bug ship with these two giant beautiful <laughs> fucking guns from the trunk of our made our incredible car you know uh, our ford pos <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. um yeah i mean i suppose part of the thing is they don't really make barry sonnenfeld type films anymore do they it's no, I I can't think of one that should have been his, you know, no. lately or anything like that. No, he might be good at like, you know, Sam Raimi did a Marvel movie very well. He might be able to get that type of tone of a comic book story at some point. But yeah, yeah I don't know. And I, I don't know. Like I say, I mean, even like Get Shorty, which is very much not one you'd necessarily think of as a Barry Sonnenfeld film. No, I guess you know, the weirdness of Hollywood, but. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and, you know, the sequel suffers from not having Barry Sonnenfeld involved as a director, I think, feel, but, mm-hmm. and it just being a weak sequel, but. Um, it's also like one of those, again, I, I, I have nothing but praise for him for this movie, but in the second movies, in, in, in the sequel to that, that Barry Sonnenfeld directed, I'm like, I, I wonder how confident he was in what, he was doing here because they they get the formula wrong and and i'm not saying that as someone that is like cracked the four and i know exactly how to do a men in black story you know like nothing like that but it's just like there's something off in those sequels yeah it really makes this movie feel like lightning in a bottle yeah you can tell the sequels weren't in them 
pipeline really when they again it was a different time with yes. a few exceptions very few films seem to be made with franchise in mind whereas now everything's yes. is there a franchise in it? i imagine that's one of the things that comes up at any meeting it's weird to me too because it, like it, this franchise if if we're calling it that feels perfect for like a 10 episode streaming service yes. for me a mid-budget type thing where it's just like and and again i say the animated series did it very well so like analyze that and figure out what the formula should be yeah but just this like you can tell a weird story that has some heart to it in one week and has just some crazy fucking laugh out loud stuff the next week and and really and and make that work you know yeah yeah um no i completely agree it's um i mean the other thing is that so at the time this came out, obviously we'd had Independence Day the year before, but the X Files was massive still. Uh, absolutely, and you know it, this could have easily gone down the X Filesy sort of route of being very serious, and you know the truth mm-hmm. is out there. Kind of this is very laid back about it. Always like, yeah, the truth is out there, but you don't need to know about it. But don't worry about it. Yeah, like, just go back to your happy lives. And... Is that great? A person is smart. People are stupid. That that Which... that, that a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous yeah. animals, and you know it perfection which is always seems to be thrown up online incorrectly used <laughs> it's like, yeah the no. imagine what you'll know tomorrow of it all is, is is so is so key to me um it's, yeah it, i i can't think what haven't we covered it's, there's so I, much I, in this movie that i love but i think we like to like say um other little things are, i love the way beatrix says edgar's name edgar edgar or Egger skin. He's got Egger suit. Again, this is I mentioned it a lot on various ones we've done, but this is another no small parts movie. Everybody is spot on at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um nobody sort of you're watching it, you're like, that feels out of place in this film. No, they're 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 and, and like again, they get the the guy at the front desk of the morgue is fucking David Cross. Yeah. He's wondering, you know, like they, they just got by mistake or, or purposeful, they just got heavy hitters in each one of the, I forget the actress that names that excuse me. I forget the actress's name that plays Beatrix, but she is it completely understands like the, the tone of what she's doing, yeah. you know. Again, only in two small scenes and great right. in both. It's truly only Tommy Lee Jones who doesn't know what movie he's in, and he does the best performance of anybody. So Yeah, like I say, it's it's very strange that you're straight man's funny because Will Smith's got that awkward coolness to him. Yes. It's like some of the line, like when he's doing the training thing and he, you know, calls the guy Captain America. Oh, 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 that's awkward. Whereas if this was like a Bad Boys or Independence Day, it'd be cool spot on Will Smith. But Tommy yes. Jones is very much the cool character in this film. Will Smith thinks he's cool. Right. Um, although I don't like his suit at the end. I hate it. <laughs> I, 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 and, and there's like weird Will Smithisms that start there and then they expand on in the sequels where I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm sorry. Like Jay can't have a Mercedes Benz, you know, no. like <laughs> he should be driving an LTD, you know, all that, all that type of thing that is, that is in the sequels and, and that moment there. But, you know, yeah, I mean, cause at the end of this film, part of me, there's a little bit of like, is he really ready to take over? <laughs> it's like he's gone on a journey, he's proven himself, but at the same time, there's still a lot of shit he does not know. Yes, but I do, I, I, I appreciate that at the end of this, like he kind of understands that, yeah. like, the job is 
knowing that you don't know. Yeah, you know? it just feels a little bit like, especially when they give him, you know, he seems to pick his own wardrobe and glasses and that at the end, and he's just a little bit like, you know, are you in this position yet where you can yes. rock on in and be like, this is what I'm wearing now. You are less easily dismissed as deja vu at this point, you yeah. know? <laughs> well, yeah, because the whole thing is it's a simple black suit, black tie, right. white shirt, isn't it? Right, and that's what gets to like the heart of the men in black, you know, actual... I don't know if we say folklore or conspiracy or whatever, but like the, the quote unquote true tales of the men in black, um, their whole thing is just like be as, as, as mundane as possible, but there are these weird things that they can't hide or like they don't quite have the mannerisms of being human down or whatever. Which again, they set up nicely in that opening scene with the way that the police officers react to Tommy Lee Jones. Nothing about him that they feel has got authority. Yes, it's only once he like does that cold, dead Tommy Lee Jones stare. <laughs> even <laughs> even as even as a viewer, like, I was like, "I'm never going to fuck with Tommy Lee Jones." <laughs> fuck with me, yeah. I love it's, the whole Division Six thing. There, yeah. There's a thing that I feel like was cut from this movie. So, okay, here we go. This is how deep I got into Men in Black. There are two sequel novels, like prose novels, to this movie, starring J and L. Right. And in it, in them, excuse me, one of the gadgets they have is called the carte blanche card. And it's it's this little card that like is in their pockets at all times where they say like, hey, I'm from the Federal Bureau of whatever. And the card hears them and changes itself to what that is. So that when uh, they like present the it to somebody. Psychic paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So when they present it to somebody, that's what it is. Yeah. And there, there are a couple instances in this movie and in the sequels where they'll be like, hi, uh, we're FBI. Hi, we're medical examiners or whatever the hell they are. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that was a thing that was in a script somewhere and got cut. Like it, it's in one of the like Men in Black handbooks that was like, yeah. you know, published with this movie. Like I, I like there are those little ideas that I feel like. Are, are totally worthy sacrifices who gives a shit yeah. about the expedition scene that does that but there's like those little world building bits that are on the peripheries of this movie that i'm like ah oh, fucking expound on that in one of the movies you know like yeah again like, it's one of those things have like time imagine, for that in the streaming series yeah it's one of those things i can imagine they potentially look at but i guess it's a bit like the clark kent glasses thing again to keep yes. them back to superman i apologize but of you know if you're not willing to buy into this then you're not going to buy into the film kind of thing then, so. then don't bother playing yeah exactly but um it's great i mean it's easy now to forget the impact this film had without mm. really having a massive impact even on like dvd because like the that dvd that came out the limited mm. edition was one of the first ones that was packed full of the extras actually doing deep dives into the creative stuff. Um, yep. Because again, for a long time, DVDs, the special feature was an interactive menu. Yes. It's like, really? <laughs> okay. No, well, I remember know, devouring these special features when this movie came out. It's so bad. I mean, you pretty much have to take a day to, <laughs> if you want to just sit down and get through it all, it goes so in depth. Yes. Um, yeah. And that was a massive release at the time of the capabilities of DVD. Which again feels quaint now to look back at those early two thousands and is that true that it was like it was kind of known as like a a, a big deal at the time? It was certainly in because I was buying like the DVD magazines and everything at the time. Yeah. And like Empire and that. And it was I remember it being like, you know, this is the thing that the form this is what DVD was made for. Oh, that's so behind cool. the scenes. Because it's so weird now that 
we've got so sport with behind the scenes stuff that people rarely watch it anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, even I've fallen off some of it. Oh, I like... have, unless it's got a really good either retrospective documentary or in depth making of kind of thing. Because again, a lot of them were the HBO first look kind of things that they chucked on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah, is yeah. just the puff piece to sell the movie rather than the. Which I remember being thrown on those DVDs too, but the actual yeah. special features on those were were incredible. But yeah, and it's yeah, they sort of actually deep dived into it, talked about what they liked, what they didn't like, and all mm. that sort of stuff. They actually dived into it, and yeah, I mean, and just sort of film moving forward. I feel we sort of had that weird little late nineties thing where people like the Avengers movie came out as in the Stephen P or not. <laughs> Where people were like, maybe we can do quirkier sort of things. And then obviously the 2000s hit and it went in massively different direction in right. extremes and <laughs> right and evanescent soundtracks. <laughs> and evanescent soundtracks. But it, it, I, a lot of those movies forgot that you have to be funny and yeah. thoughtful and, and scary and have cool sci-fi elements to it. You know, like the, there's... And, and there's have characters reason... that you invest in. Yes, again. Straight away, all these that... characters we've invested in. Yes, um, there's a reason that the sequels have never quite gotten that yeah. formula right. Like again, don't please God, don't waste your time with Men in Black International. But like, I got so mad watching that movie because I'm like, you don't give a shit about the franchise you're in. Like you are you are going against canon that has been established for Men yeah. in Black, and that is that is the core of the world you're you're telling a story in. Like you wouldn't do that in a Star Wars movie. You know, like they wouldn't let you, but like you know, you wouldn't do that in in another big franchise. But here, it's just like, I it, guess it, it it felt like they had they felt like they had the room for it. I'm like, the, the, there's there's a respect you have to kind of pay to the the world that you want to play yeah. in here. It's what so many legacy sequels got wrong for a while as well. I mm-hmm. think, and I think, like I said, I didn't watch it, but it just felt like they were trying to put that Marvel feel to it. Which I've got nothing against the Marvel feel. It's fine. It has its place. But there was a period sort of in that time where everybody felt like they were just forcing a Marvel model onto things. Yes. And then I think even, I mean, obviously it feels like Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson were cast off the back of Thor Ragnarok, which is fair enough. They've got, um, they're both amazing in that film. Incredible chemistry in Ragnarok. Yeah. But um, it just, because, you know, nobody plays like, you know, smart, dumb, like Chris Hemsworth does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um. But it's, I yeah, I just, nothing about it made me think, oh, I've really got to watch that. And then, like I say, the reviews and people I knew that, like, the original Men in Black, like, just, you know, it's like, the we should have got the Jump Street it. crossover instead. Oh, God, that that pissed me off. Too. Um, See, the best part about it is the You think about soundtrack. it, you're like, actually, that sounds cool. <laughs> but then you're like, know, but for how long would it be funny? <laughs> exactly. That, that's what gets me, where it's just like, Again, it struck me when I was a kid and I, I, I've i so loved the world that this movie set up where I'm just like, just just pay it some respect. Yeah. I'm not saying take the world of it seriously. It's not a serious world, but like pay these bigger ideas that we've been talking about and loving so much some respect. And then you might have a great story to, to tell in the middle of this world, you know? Yeah, I think that's the problem with the sequels. Like I say, this feels like an insane thing Two makes you feel like you've been robbed of Kay's yes. journey. Is it like, well, why invested that and we're just undoing it? I right. and his quite wife like the just idea left that him? even with his mind wiped, he couldn't adjust to normal life again. I do like, kind of there, there's a part of me that's into that idea. Because this is a dude that is that is since he was 
16, 17, 18 years old has been in this world, but it's just like they don't they don't really it's a line it's a throwaway line in that movie it's yeah because there's, there's something more to that that you know maybe he could have had a happy life had he known the life that he'd had with yeah. the man in black and not been neuralized maybe he'd have adjusted he'd have adjusted better but it's sort of totally but like you say it's such a throwaway thing yeah he's too gone at this point you know yeah and um like i said i don't remember much off the second one i've only seen it once and a half i think i think yeah, I, don't worry about it yeah and then, like I say, the third one I watched when it came out on Blu-ray, I think I bought like a fiver on Blu-ray at one point. Mm. Like, I'll see what it's like. Um, I like Josh, Josh Brolin as a young Tommy Jones. He's got some of the mannerisms oh, to him. Yeah, he's great. I love the way he's just, it pants comes in on his face. It's like, all right. Okay. It's <laughs> a spot on, but, but yeah, no, international. Yeah. Don't, not. don't waste your time. They make one nod to this movie. I was going to say, do they at least reference Jane they, K? Because is yeah, Emma Thompson pisses me in it, off she? too. She's she's in it. Yes, em, yes. Because obviously Emma Rip Thompson Torn wasn't in, in the third one, was he? They right because she she takes over for Rip Torn because he was having legal troubles. Yeah. He was having stuck in jail troubles at the time. <laughs> um, and yeah, she's uh, there when they go back in time, isn't she as well? Yes. Yeah. She's like, and again that the the way that the headquarters looks when they go back in time breaks my brain a little bit. Yeah. But um, what was I going to say? She is in the international movie. They don't bother to rebuild the set, but they, they kind of CG projected around her. Oh, yeah. um, but then there's a moment where uh, Tessa Thompson's in, um, I think his name is Hyde T, in Liam Neeson, who is the head of Men in Black International or Men in Black Britain or Europe or yeah. whatever the fuck they call it. Um, in his office... And there are two portraits on the wall. And one of them is a thing that he and a younger Chris Hemsworth did. And one of them is J and K in Queens in, in Flushing at the World's Fair. Right. Um, going after Edgar Bug. And while it's a beautiful portrait by the painter whose name is escaping me that did it. I'm like, the point of that movie is that this shit happens all the time. Yeah. You know, like. The point of that movie is like there is always that Archelian death ray yeah. about to shoot us. Like it, it was an inconsequential moment for the Men in Black. Why is it preserved here except for fan service? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, because yeah, it's not a flashy lifestyle, is it? It's very much we did that. We don't talk about it. Right. We will never get get any admiration for it or whatever. Yeah. I sort of going back. I do love how they incorporate the World's Fair into it. Oh, it's so clever. It's so cute. It's uh again, I can't help but feel that that fueled a million conspiracy theorists now. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love little things like because I mean the World's Fair again, being here in England, is very much just something we've only ever seen in movies or occasionally breakfast sure. and kind of thing. It's not got a cultural impact kind of thing. It's not like it's well preserved or loved over here, by the way. It's a fucking it's like a, well, no, a big spaceship place to visit for it, now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that spaceship crashed, and the Stark Expo did very little to actually fix the infrastructure there. But um, <laughs> it just—it's just one of those things that truly feels like one of the screenwriters was driving by every day and just being like, "Those look like flying saucers," and had the opportunity to throw it in here. And it, it is—it's just perfect world building. So it's, it's little things like that that I love. It's like just you know, explaining away the mundane with some fantastical thing. Yes, um, exactly. And sort of 
I love that end shot. This film's possibly got the best mm. pull out ending of any film. Again, the CG's a bit now as it's gonna be, but I like that. I again I hope they don't George Lucas it and go back and tidy everything up. I'm I, sure I the think Son is there, but... isn't that type of guy. You no, know? I, it'd be a studio mandate rather than a Sonnenfeld mandate. I am. And and producer Steven Spielberg. By the yeah. way, producer Steven Spielberg learned his lessons on this be- that before. So I, That's I think it. he's and, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, go go back and replace their vibrator guns with torches. <laughs> Walkie talkies. Um, but yeah, it's such a great shot, and it's kind of. It's a really nice way of being like, you know, you really are quite small and insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Oh, it's great. There's, um, I, I don't know. Were you a Buffy Angel fan yes. at all? Yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, the wonderful moment in Angel season two, I believe, where he realizes that like, I, I, I de- essentially just to simplify this, someone's going to take him to hell and they just take him to earth. And it's just like, hell is on there like we've already won. like the bad guys have already won like yeah. fuck off yeah. go go die you know like we don't care what you do and then he like kind of performs a mini miracle at the end of that episode and the whole kind of lesson he learns is like i'm badly paraphrasing but like if nothing we do matters then all that matters is what we do yeah and that is so that is so ingrained in this story too in in the idea of men in black of just like if we are tr- we are truly this insignificant and little and and like i believe this you know like we, yeah. our, our lives do not matter so just don't be a dick just try to be a, a happy person that, that yeah. brings some joy into the world and doesn't hurt others and you nailed it it's done with such a nice light touch as well yes i've just finished watching it's taken me the best part of the year but i've just finished watching the last season of supergirl mm-hmm. and um, which is a show i really enjoyed and i've like most of those CW ones for me, they sort of tail off towards the end and feel a little bit like they've gone on a season or two too long. But um, that last season is so heavy handed in what it's trying to say. It's like a Mm. miss subtlety. (laughs) No, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I I I know that there are people who enjoy it a lot. Oh, I do. I mean, the Arrowverse as we should probably call it, but yes. Um, although it's um, it's coming to an end now, isn't it? It's, I know, but here's it, here's hoping for a, a big grand finale here. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, because it's the Flash that's going to tie it all up, isn't it? Because they've yes. separated Superman and Lois. See, I, I, I it, love Superman. No matter what we're talking about, after an hour or so, yeah. you and I both are going to go back to DC. <laughs> I'm still rocking my "Where Were You When Superman Died" T-shirt from. Is that what that is? Thank God we wore T-shirts only back see the in the 90s. Listeners, that's incredible. Yeah, it's the uh, funeral procession, and then on the back it says, "Where were you when Superman died?" That's <laughs> awesome. I found it when I was going through some clothes, and I was like, "I used to wear this all the time when I was 13. I it's like, I wonder if it still fits. It's like it does, which made me feel good till I remembered, like, say, we wore everything baggy in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, thank God, right? I know it's, it's the only reason I still have a Smallville Letterman jacket that, that fits me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, sort of quickly before we come off, um, Men in Black and. We've talked a little bit about the sequels, but you um, very kindly sent me some images earlier of a fan comic <laughs> that you're working on. The, the art in that is superb. The coloring's great as well. I know it's not finished, but... Yeah, it, it's it's getting there. So what this is, is years ago, um, I was trying to do some like little sample um, fan comic, that type of thing that I could get made. You know, nine, nine ten page things, nothing crazy. Uh, and I wrote this little Men in Black story that I'm really 
I, I really like I, th- I think it's I think it's cute and it very much plays into the idea of like of, of their characters in the end of it without spoiling it but um out of nowhere an artist a comic artist I worked with years ago messaged me about a year ago now that we're recording and was like hey do you have any short scripts that I could do as like a portfolio piece like no no charge I just need stuff to work on and I'm like uh yeah do you like men in black I love men in black here and and I sent him the script and he was super into it and I was also like yeah you know, I, I he did not charge me for any of this art so it was like change whatever the fuck you want like go yeah. nuts you know so like he really took the visuals of especially the alien in the story um very much in in his direction which I'm I'm all about but um yeah he he finished the art for it a little bit ago and I'm currently uh, I'm the writer and colorist of it so I'm currently coloring it and then hopefully it'll be online for free uh come October this year because there's a bit of a it, it takes place during Halloween so I'm like yeah. well we, we should do that so um yeah with, without spoiling it I I tried to tie it back to the 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 actual characters behind uh K and J ultimately yeah. uh which you know listeners and readers can figure out whether or not I figured out what the formula was for Men in Black. I really don't know, but but yeah, that's how much this means to me. Though, like, I I love the stories. This this world has been in my head since I was a kid, and uh, I I've truly never got to talk about this that this long. So yeah. thank you so much no, for no, this opportunity. Like I say, I love the art. We sent. Obviously, it wasn't the finished artwork. You're still working on it. <laughs> I know yes. how long these things take. From we have. I don't think you have it so much in America, but we've got a very big small press comics community, I think, because we're a smaller mm-hmm. country. The community is much closer together, whereas I think you have small press indie over there, but it's more spread out. and Yes, definitely. Less of a community to it. Um, it's amazing. I mean, creativity excites me in ways I can. Like I say, I'm a filmmaker fan. I'm a comic book fan. I have a go at, you know, drawing and writing my own comics and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I say nothing more exciting. One of the best things about having kids is finding out how creative they are. It's like my youngest is a massive drawer now, and it's the most exciting thing. Oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, and my eldest like does little YouTube mini videos of game footage and that, which is like I have no idea what this is, but it looks amazing, and I'm just so pleased you're creating some. But but you're happy, and it looks great. That's so it for you. Yeah, much like my um, dad probably looked at me with comments and was like, "This shit's weird." Yeah. Oh, that was to- but like. I don't know about, about your parents, but like my parents are like, this shit's weird. Keep going for it. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> this shit's weird and not as good as it could be. So, so try again, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. See, it was all um, my dreams to want to get into comics, but oh, I, I never same. felt my art was consistent. And just the idea, it sounds weird now, but the idea that it was in New York, it's like, that's like a million miles away. That's sure. literally impossible. Sure. <laughs> Unless you're in that, on that side of the world. Obviously Unless you're fucking Neil Gaiman who can just like dream That's his it. way into this thing. Yeah. Um, real quick on, on the idea of drawing a comic. I didn't want to, again, I wrote this Men in Black script thinking like, I don't want to pay for it. So I should draw it yeah. myself. And I have some art skills, but like not, I'm, I don't have like my own style or anything like that. So I started drawing it and it just never got finished. So when, when the, uh, this artist friend of mine, whose name is Asella, excuse me, um, when Asella got in touch with me, I was like, yes, please. God, good Lord. Like this needs your hand. And then he sent me the pages and I'm like a thousand bajillion times better than I could have done. 
but the layouts for some of these pages are like kind of similar. And I'm like, that's kind of cool that like both of us were like, it just proves that we're on the same wavelength. I am yeah. not comparing my art to his, but it's just like, it's interesting. I'll, when I publish the story, I'll ultimately, I haven't even told him that I started drawing this. Like he doesn't know about this, but um, I'll ultimately just put up some of my shitty pages next to him and just be like, look, if you squint, it's kind of the same comic. That's cool. <laughs> like that's people that are, that are responding to the same things here, you know? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I, I think you buried the lead on your art. I've seen some of your Superman and Lois stuff. You not Superman, Lois and Clark stuff. Because I just said Superman. And Lois. Um, yeah, your Lois and Clark <laughs> stuff you've done, man. It's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm the same. I'm very much like a yeah. I'm not much of an artist, and then it always feels like you're fishing a little bit for compliments. But I never. Oh, me and I, I, what you said is very sweet. But I, I, I yeah, I don't. I don't feel. I know that I need to be copying off of someone's style to do anything remotely good. So. It's the process. It's not the finished result. A lot of the totally. time, as long totally. as you you're talking to me, and it's, you've yeah. got. Sorry, you've got these beautiful action figures behind you, and I've got boxes of crafts and and materials behind me. Because oh, one day I'll do something this way. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. One, <laughs> one day I'll do something that makes me feel like it was it was worthy of all the time I put into it. You know. I got my wife to buy me a whack on for my 40th birthday so I could do all that. I was like, then I'll just stop buying pens. It's like, I, um, I understand. I've got the, the tablet sitting. But still, every so here. often I go out to the art shop and I come back with a load of pens. And she was like, I thought you said if you got the digital thing, you'd stop using it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these look really good. I said, they look nice on a shelf on the wall. I, yeah, I tried them in the store and they're really smooth. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, sucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, well, so that'll be up on the site when you put it up. Um, yes, put... it'll be up on uh, just to, just to, uh, to do the formal plug. It'll be up on dailyknockoff.com, yeah. which is my dumb little website. Um, but yeah, I, I, if 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 you wouldn't mind tweeting it when it came out or whatever, yeah, that, yeah, like say fire it over, and I'll put all the links in the show notes as well. And obviously, we'll Perfect. do more links at the well, end. But um, thank you if very you much. Send me a link as well for. Us... All the, the way artist. through this might enjoy that. So yeah. yeah. If the artist has got an Instagram or something, send me that as well and I'll put a link oh, in. So 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 worth a follow. He's incredible. Cracking. Yeah, I'll um I'll chase you up and get that link as well. Um cool. I think we've sort of any final thoughts on Men in Black you wanna <laughs> Yeah, if you're six years old listening to this podcast and looking for a worldview, I I I highly recommend watching Men in Black on repeat about 12 times and yeah. then try to figure out what you feel about the world. And uh, that, that's pretty much it. And then stop there. Maybe watch yeah. some of the animated series. Don't watch the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> Can I help you, gentlemen? Uh, yes, ma'am. I'm Special Agent Mannheim. This is Special Agent Black with the FBI. We'd like to talk to you about your visitor. You here to make fun of me, too? No, ma'am. We at the FBI do not have a sense of humor we're aware of. May we come in? Sure. Thank you. Lemonade? Oh, yes, please. Chief police himself came up to the house and did a full-out professional investigation. Took a police report and written down everything I said from A to Z, not believing one thing I said. Sort of poking fun at me. And they asked me if he was murdered, how was he able to walk back in the house? And I gotta admit to you, that one got me sort of stumped. But I'll tell you something right now. I know air, and that was an air. It's like something was wearing air. Like a, like a suit. An air suit. All right, then. Well, I like to end these with the Peebo questions from Inside the Actor's Studio. 
Um, the the much missed inside the extra studio, but it was never the yes. same after James Lipton. No, died, and, and so. we talked about this briefly, but like the actors on that show that I feel like had never actually watched it, I have given little thought to this. Though <laughs> as a as a kid, as a college kid, I had obnoxious little notebooks that I carried around all the time, and one day I filled them all out. I have no memory of what my answers were but it's just like <laughs> i've done this before but it's been a long time so let's do it yeah it's, it's possibly changed a lot as well yes <laughs> all right then question one what is your favorite word uh bungalow nice i just think it's i think it's fun to say and i think it's because of an episode of sabrina the teenage witch but <laughs> i think it's a fun word i imagine the image of bungalow is very different for us to what it is for you probably bung- bungalow is like just... a little <laughs> <laughs> just say it. Just have a little sauce when you say it. bungalow. Like it's, it's nice. Uh, what is your least favorite word? I, I I hope this counts. Like bigot. That's yeah. Maybe that's more of the the thought of what the word means. But just the whenever that's invoked, there's nothing good going on. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, I know exactly what you mean with that. Yeah. Um, what turns you on, either creatively or? Uh, you someone's, choose to interpret <laughs> yes yeah, some, someone's excitement um in in every sense of that word like you know, if you want to be turned on and, and and sexually excitement then then great or or just like i love i love someone that's a fan of a thing that is just yeah. truly a fucking fan of that thing man. yeah it's very much why I like to go for films that people love on these rather than films they hate <laughs> yeah i I totally get it I totally get as a host wanting to just like what 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 turns you on about men in black or you know whatever it is yeah i should open with that really <laughs> what turns you off this feels like a, a whiff after bigot but 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 small-mindedness yeah. like of of yeah just just not willing to look beyond your own fucking box you know it is pretty much the polar opposite of creativity isn't it it's, yeah exactly it's like your mind has nowhere to go so there's nowhere we can go as a Right, it's the people that you've met that that talk to you about the, any aspect of life, and you're like, "Oh, you've actually never examined yeah. this at all, have you?" You know, That's it. And, and aren't willing to learn more yeah. about it. Not, not that we're some scholars or anything, but no, but I'm, I'm, I'm never. <laughs> At least we're interested. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but one of the best piece of advice is that I carried over to my children as well is that there's no shame in saying I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It's. It's such a wonderfully open answer. Rather yes, than just being that, like, yeah, that, yeah, I know. Shit, Google it. We've, we work with people that either ask the questions or just keep going pretending that they know. You yeah. Know? yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, this sounds so pretentious, but I, I just, I'm looking at a bookshelf and going like, I, li- I like a flipping page. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, it, this is just a total auditory thing. I like the sound of boiling water. I, I, that's, that's very calming to me for some reason. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've had that one before. I like that. <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> Feel so dumb with that one. Um, <laughs> no, 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 um, not at all. Oh, oh, the 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 cat at my feet right now at at like five forty in the morning, just meowing outside the door to wake me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a cat. I have children who do similar things. Yeah, passively aggressively well, tell you that they're hungry. Yeah, or the sound of like a hairball coming out of said cat. That, uh, yeah, I imagine that'll make you move. <laughs> not, a, not a fan, yeah. All right, the big one. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. That, that, that is one of my favorite people of all, creators of all time is Stephen Sondheim, the, the yeah. musical 
writer and and that he said fuck in his makes me go like i was i was right it, it should always be fuck again i mean it, it's come up before but it's just such a wonderfully versatile I, word i'm sure it has yeah it, it can be used for joy it can be used in anger it can be used yep. in despair it's... yep it can be used in love it's just whatever you want it's, it's basically the i am root of swearing yes <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt uh artists of some kind I, i've recently become friendly with a uh incredible prop maker who was like the prop maker on this show that she was on for for many years and just like every week she was asked to move a mountain and figure out how to make it and she did and it's like her stories of that have, have so fascinated me these past couple of weeks so like something like that but yeah. it would be incredible have you watched the ilm documentary on Yes. Disney Plus. I watched it while I was sitting here trying to make a model of the thing. And I'm like, I am I am nothing compared to you people, but it, it's very inspiring. Yeah, I'm not a massive model maker. The closest I've come is that I did my own custom Kevin Bacon's car from Footloose. Oh, fabulous. I just need I'm... to add the rust to it. But... That's fantastic. I am, we're both reaching for our models now. Um, I'm trying to make the Wave Rider from DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, awesome. From scratch. It's a pain in the ass, but it's like, but if I, if I was a prop maker on a show and I had a deadline of two weeks to do it, like it'd be done, you know, yeah. like that, that's, that's very uh, appealing to me. Yeah. It's one of those things that as I think about it, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. It's like my friend's a graphic designer and some of the stuff he mm. does and is asked to do. And you're just like, that sounds ridiculous. He's like, yeah, but you just find a way. Yeah, I'm sure you lose the patient from time to time yeah. on stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, and both the things we're talking about. But yeah, I'm I'm not the neatest model maker. Like I say, that was a kit that I just painted. <laughs> totally. No, I understand. The way I wanted it, kind of thing. But um, because I mean, as, as mentioned before, you were trying to make uh, Superman's pod from Lois and Clark at oh. one point. That's that's your dream. <laughs> that's that's the ultimate. But it's, it's, it's I saw you had that yeah. awesome 3D printed one. Oh, it's killer from a fan. That was yeah. that was incredible. Sorry, I feel like my answers on this are, are no, way no, too no, fucking no. long. But no, no, no. Okay, not at all. Like I say, I... tangents off of things is <laughs> kind of the bread and butter of this podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. What profession would you not like to do? I was talking to somebody about this recently, but like, kind of any sort of bureaucrat office job at like a hospital, yeah, would would bum me out. Like, um. A, good friend of mine and, and podcast zone zach moore works in in media at a hospital I'm like oh that's kind of cool like i'd never really thought of that as a as an angle there but like yeah. just the person that's like we're using too many drugs we got we got to empty out some of these beds you know like someone that's got to kind of make those those types of cold decisions same, same reason you know what um any anything military too like yeah. i am just not there are people that are are made for that and and in many ways thank god for them and yeah in other ways whoops um but i'm i'm just not that no i'm exactly the same as nothing but respect for people who do yes. anything like that said, said doctors paramedics podcasting into the night <laughs> one with the superman t-shirt on yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how i save lives <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um yeah no i just i couldn't do it so i've got nothing but respect for people who do um all right then last question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates <laughs> well you were wrong but it's all right coming in <laughs> <laughs>
Either that or we got season five up here. (laughs) 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 Yeah, perfect. Which is obviously a Lois and Clark reference, which sort of brings us back to uh, the podcast. So, yeah, the podcast is wrapping up, sadly. Yes. Um, Which is weird. I've been on such a journey with it. Um, There was beautifully put on your last bubble episode you did where you're interviewing Lena Cantini, who was it was um, a, a, a fan from uh, another country who yeah. we got to have on and, and it experienced the show first in in dubbed, you know, in, in Portuguese. Yeah, which yeah, and she even said she you know prefers the dub as a because that's what yeah, she totally. grew up with, which is such a nostalgia weird... is a powerful drug, man. You know? <laughs> It's like I was so re- resistant to go to the 4K ones because I was like, no, I like the 90s, slightly out of focusy <laughs> feel of it all. Um, and then from on my birthday, I watched the pilot and decided to treat myself to the 4K, and it's always oh, lovely. I mean, obviously, it's 4K of an old show, so it's not it's perfect, perfection, but, it's, but it looks it's sharpers. And because um, I I watched the um, I've gone massively off what I was going to originally say, but um, yeah, I've um. I watched the pilot when it went out originally over here. Mm-hmm. And to my memory, and I might be wrong, but I remember it starting with Dean getting off the bus. Oh, weird. So every time I watch it now, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, there's this whole bit before that I didn't. Because I remember when it first came <laughs> out on DVD bits. and I rewatched it, I was like, I've never seen this Lois with a beard thing. Really? That's interesting. It's because, like I said, I might be wrong. It might not have been specifically that bit, but it definitely didn't have the Lois return to the Daily Planet at the beginning. Uh, and I'm 99% sure it starts with Dean getting off the bus. I wonder. I wonder if it was like a, a cut for syndication or something like that. I don't remember. I know when it was released on video, here. it was the uncut version. Mm, okay. Which uncut in the 90s was like, oh, is there boobs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that always meant. But <laughs> Network TV in the, in the 90s. Yeah, I'm sure there's but, boobs. And I suppose we saw Dean. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. But There's nipples. That's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I said five. I thought you'd be naked. <laughs> um, the best, but yeah, oh, no. Um, so going back to my original thing, Hel- Helena, when I, she said in the episode that you know it was all these different people, and you brought us all together, we all felt quite lonely. You sort of brought us all together and let us know that there's this wider thing. I was like, that is perfect. That is exactly what I love about that podcast. It's going to sound oh, like I'm smoking bloke up your ass, and I apologize. Because Lois and Clark was that weird little show for a lot yes. of people. Because it wasn't. Um, I've got a friend who I know through the small press comic community who was at um, the London Comic Con when they t- showed some of the footage before it showed over here, and everybody really? laughed. Really? And apparently, the guy that was showing it was like, "No, no, no, no. It's, it's not like this. <laughs> it's like you know, it, it is Superman because it was very much built on that black and white color." Dean with the color tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, oh, this okay. Is sexy. That type of yeah. So yeah. So everybody. Have you laughed. been to Metropolis lately? That's yeah. it. And um, yeah. So it was a weird thing of like they sold it as one thing, lost confidence in it to the comic fans. Um, because I mean, I love that first season. I adore it. It was it was kind of harsh listening to you and Ryan because it's like sorry. <laughs> this one I haven't listened to those episodes in a long time. Too. Um, the, the podcast kind of grew because I love the stuff with Ryan as well, but Ryan wasn't into it as much. And what I've quite liked is where you brought in a different fan each time. It's sort of your enthusiasm for it comes across a bit more, even in the dreg that is a lot of season four. 
even when you're ragging on the episodes, there's still a <laughs> passion for it and a love of it. I've still been here for six years talking about it. And so clearly I love it. Yeah, it, It's um, quite nice when you've got somebody else that loves the show. And like I said, I love the stuff where I'm really interested in because I've often thought about trying to get my friend to sit and watch it. And I'm like, I know I'd lose this battle because every time I've told him to watch something, he's been like, yeah, I checked it out. It was a shit episode. I was like, yeah, it was a shit episode you watched. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Fucking why did I tell you to watch Smart Kids? God damn it. Um, <laughs> um, thank you. So that is very sweet to hear thank you I, yeah. I don't i don't do compliments well so thank you no no i'm um, exactly the same like i say I, I apologize i didn't mean to make you feel no awkward, but... no <laughs> no it's it's always it's very nice to hear and just like you know it's a it's a dumb little podcast that i feel like i do it for myself and then you find out that people really yeah. really really enjoy it and that that means the and again i say this all the time on my show i've got a small little listener base so yeah. the fact that it's, it's small enough that i get to hear from people a lot like that that's just that no it's great and the world i mean you've got the page around it as well which alan's so that's how i met alan and rob as well lois and clark the legacy facebook group incredible and um i honestly can't remember how i discovered the podcast it was about three episodes into the first season i think three or four no shit that early i um because i think i've got a shout out on an earlier one because i sent you a message (laughs) which was super cool by the way that's great um but yeah like i say it just appeared and i was like shit there's somebody talking about lois and clark <laughs> that dumb thing yeah it's like, it's like i love it but i really didn't think that i knew there must be others well but... that was that that's that's truly why it started because i was just like nobody's talking about this it's this is bizarre little show i got ryan to go along with me for two years and then and then i've tried to do a balance at least of of fans that uh, either love the show or Superman fans or whatever. Yeah. And then like recently I've had um, my, one of my best friends in the world, Stacia Kimler on who, who hadn't seen a fucking frame of it until I made her watch it and had wonderful opinions on it. You know, like, so I try to keep some, She's some novices in, that, in the mix too. She very much has to, do I love this? Do I hate it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> a normal pe- person's it. reaction yeah. to the show. Yes. It's like, cause my wife hates it. It's like every time, really? we, every time I put it on, she's like, this program is fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I love it. She's like, my, she... my, my fiance's come around to it. Yeah, is, I mean, this is nice. We, I've never tried to get her to sit and watch whole episodes. It used to be when I got in from work on a Saturday, they were repeating them on one of the satellite channels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd watch them then, and obviously they, they don't, they'd not been polished up at that point. So right, <laughs> it was like you know mid two thousands and looked about 20 years older than it actually was kind of thing at times right like you're watching it through a, a shallow pond or something <laughs> but i'm like but you like sabrina and you know ah <laughs> if you like sabrina you gotta give lois and clark a shot you know? that's it but you know although i'm pretty sure if she went back to sabrina there she'd possibly <laughs> i think it's got a warm warm place in nostalgia for her than because there's certain things that you're always afraid to go back to, isn't it? It's... Quite yes, uh, yes, a hundred percent. Because there's been um, a lot of Power like... Rangers is so that for me. Yeah, my eldest was went on a massive Power Rangers kick, so I ended up watching a load of videos on YouTube because I was slightly too old when Power Rangers started. Oh, okay. Because um, it was about ninety four, ninety five. And um, yeah, 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 by you, that you point, it was like be, you know, yeah. it was all Batman I was Trevor the perfect and age for me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was the perfect age when Power Rangers started, and then like one of those things I completely forgot about. They started 
releasing those like Kyle Higgins comics. I'm like, yeah. these are great. I should watch some of the old show. Oh shit. No, I shouldn't. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's really yeah, bad. Yeah. It's, it's got a great mythology. There's um Linkara on YouTube's done like history of Power Rangers videos looking at each series. And they're oh, great to watch. I haven't seen those. Um, but I'd love to watch that. Yeah, it's the Atop the Fourth Wall stuff. If you search Atop the Fourth Wall Power Atop Rangers, the fourth wall. Okay. he's done each one from the original series up to whatever the last one was. Oh, fuck. I'd love to see that. Okay, but cool. It, it's a really good that. way of like digesting all of Power Rangers in because I watched it because I wanted to be able to hold a conversation with my eldest child. Totally. You'd <laughs> like be explaining stuff to me. Like, I have no idea these words you're saying. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, as long as you're not into sports, it's fine. I'll learn Power Rangers. That's, yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah, no, I'm not passing interest in American football, but yeah. Um, I watched Ted Lasso. That's about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah that, that's where my knowledge Which is why we've been goes. talking so long about Men in Black. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously, there were only four seasons of Lois and Clark. So the pods come to an end. Are you planning on? And not to put you on the spot, but occasional specials or are you Um, kind of like, you know, that is dead now? No, it's certainly not going to cancel the feed or anything. So when when the super signal goes up in the sky, we'll probably do something. Um, But also something I'm not ready to announce yet because I have to talk to some people before we do. But um, I'm going to be going on to or into another DC show with um, with a wonderful co-host. We're both super excited about it. We're both taking it so not seriously it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun show um if you're a fan of the arrowverse um i i hope you will enjoy what what we have to offer after lois and clark but um yeah a longer series or i'm trying to fish for it it is a longer (laughs) yes it's a longer series than Lois and Clark. It is based on a longer so series. It's, it's not The Flash and it's not Birds of Prey. So. No, no, no. We, we, yeah, Zach let me do uh, Birds of Prey one year on, on his Patreon. And that, See, again, that that's a show I loved as well. I, I, we, Again, don't, we don't have time for how obsessed I, I am. That was with, one of those shows that was so unfortunate because it was just getting really good and they cancelled it. That seems to be that thing with that. Yep early 2000s show is that they had no patience for it so just as it was getting really good they'd be like yeah no we killed it yep they, they edged like, you Shamar Moore's off to do criminal minds so. for the rest of the year or the rest of your life um no I love Birds of Prey more than anything if you check out my Men in Black comic it'll be on the same site as my Birds of Prey fan comic that ties into Christ on Infinite Earths the CW version and it's yeah I I, I will never not be obsessed with that 13 episodes yeah, I was hoping that Crisis on Infinite Earth uh, have a bit more Birds of Prey in it, but it was nice it got a nod. Hey, but... that we got in there at all, man, meant the <laughs> world to me. It's more than Lois and Clark got, but yeah, well, <laughs> given, given certain things, it was yes. understandable why they just glossed over that one. Clark's not employable, so yeah, because I can kind of see that being the Brandon Wraith element of it in a different could've, universe. Sure, could have been great. Um, but yeah, so yeah, anyway, so obviously, you know, that pod's wrapping up. You got any, uh, um, and you guest star on Zach Moore stuff a lot as well. Yes, yes. Jeez. Zach, uh, that keeps me talking other DC things. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, keep keep an eye out. Um, the, this new show may or may not be his fault as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I'm going to ask you off air what it is, but I won't tell you anybody. <laughs> but awesome. Um, anything else that people should be looking out for? Obviously, I'll put the links to the website. And no, yeah, I just hope, I hope anyone that, that shares my love for Men in Black um, enjoys enjoys the comic that 
comes out. I, yeah. I, I tried to keep in the spirit of it, but no, th- truly Stuart, thank you so much for having me on and uh, for the opportunity to speak about one of my favorite movies of all time. No, like I say, thank you for doing it. Like I say, when I fired the email over, I was like, this is a long shot. <laughs> no, no, this is, a, I, I only hope, I, excuse me, I only wish that I hadn't, I wasn't booked up for the end of season four and that it wasn't the end of the show, but no, it's um, fine. If, you, I, I was very if you're into the secrets I'm about to tell you off, microphone i'm i'm sure we can talk again at some point too. I'm, I'm sure i will we can <laughs> but yeah no um yeah i was very tempted to fire you over a voice message audition kind of thing when you were doing it yes ahead of season four and i was like i really just like listening to it <laughs> it's like no mu- i get that too as much as there are times when i listen to it it was like i'm gonna interject here so i know i'm not actually on it <laughs> <laughs> but i just like i said i really enjoyed listening to it and i wanted it to be that it's like if ever you go back and look at any of season one stuff i'd be very fire me over a message but good to, good to know i will i will miss it at some point so i'm i'm sure yeah it's it's like any around. project isn't it you're like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i need to get a bit of distance from it so i can get nostalgic for it and then maybe come back and chat because again yeah. you've done awesome things on it as well as actually covering the episodes like you say you have the k callan episode i love mm. k callan when that she was... popped up in knives out, i was so excited oh my god that was amazing um, and I loved, like, you know, the guy who made his own super suit who cosplays as Superman. I'm, yes, not, a, I'm not a massive cosplay fan. I appreciate it, but and I love the artistry that goes into it. But there's... but there are guys like uh, the the guy I interviewed Brian Wynn who just like there's just the, it makes them happy to kind of represent oh, just the artistry of it. The as idea well, of this putting and then that the artistry into of putting it. it together. Yeah, he, he's a cool dude. It's no different to fan art, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not you know fan art always sounds like a dismissive kind of thing but it is it's just a way of expressing your fandom sure well it's just like you know like you can call any you can call a men in black sequel a a fanfic too you know like it's the same thing it's just yeah it's just like say in the work that goes into it and like say the helene episode as well was just again it's not something i thought i'd be particularly interested in it's like no he's actually really interesting here and i'm so glad that was one of the things i was messaging you about you know the difference between it airing over here in the uk and because it's such a bizarre thing, because I think you had pretty much... Obviously, you came into it later, rather than original, you caught it on reruns kind of thing. Um, oh, but yeah, it's just such a... It's weird, the little differences and how excited you can get for them. It's, <laughs> it's such a wonderful <laughs> thing. But yeah, no, like I say, thank you for doing this and coming on, and thank you for talking about Men in Black, because one of the things I really enjoy about doing this podcast is rediscovering films I've not seen for a long time, and it was a genuine pleasure to go back and watch this film. I'm, the glad, was it, like, I'm glad it wasn't like... <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't like I came in with all the love in the world and you were just like this, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, I've always been afraid that somebody's going to be like, you know, yeah, I want to talk about this film. Like, ah, oh, I hate that film. <laughs> uh, we've done it. We did a mini series on movie fights. And even then I warmed to the films just based on people's enthusiasm. <laughs> that that always happens, too, you know? It's, um, but I mean, like I say, nothing more exciting than people's passion for things. So, but yeah, no, thank you for doing that. Like I said, I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything. And um, yeah, Anytime you want to talk about another film, drop your message and you please open yes. invitation. So yeah. awesome. Cheers for that, man. Cheers to you, man. Thank, Thank you. you so much. See you. Bye. Bye. Right. They're beautiful, aren't they? Stars. I mean, I never look at them anymore, but they actually are quite um, beautiful. Okay, you're frightening your partner. I haven't been training a partner, I've been training a replacement. 
Wait a minute, Kay. I cannot do this job by myself. Hey, guys. My apartment isn't anywhere near here. It's not even on the same island. Days, months, years. Always face it forward. Hey. I've just been down the gullet of an interstellar cockroach kid. That's one of a hundred memories that I don't want. See you around, Jay. No, you won't. Hey, Jay. Zed called. The high consulate from Salaxium 9 wants floor seats for the next Bulls game. All right, let's put in a call to Dennis Rodman. He's from that planet. Rodman, you're kidding. Nope. Not much of a disguise. That was Men in Black, and why not? I'd like to thank Matt for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. If you're a fan of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, be sure to check out the Lois and Clark, The New Podcast of Superman podcast. As you heard in the episode, the series is reaching an end soon, but there are four seasons worth of episodes in the feed to you to catch up on. I'll put the links in the show notes, along with the links to where you can find Matt's MIB fan comic when it's published as well. We put a shout out on the socials for, mem- uh, for your memories of first seeing Men in Black. And we had a reply from friend of the show, Rob O'Connor, who said, I don't think I ever saw it in the cinema, but it was a firm video rental favourite. It was so popular in the playground that my friend Tom lied about having seen it. It also holds the distinction of being the first DVD I ever rented. A shame Men in Black 2 was so dreadful. Which it was. Take it from somebody who was so excited to see it in the cinema and then massively disappointed by the time he actually got to the end of it. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. I might not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you've listened to your episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating if you have a second or two to spare. I mean, you don't have to, we're just grateful you listened at all. If you've missed any And Why Not episodes so far, including our recent Summer of Action specials, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. As I said at the start, this is our first episode back after our break. We'll be back with you every two weeks or so until the end of the year with a series of horror-themed films for October, some Christmas-themed films for December, and some other movies in between. And if all goes to plan, we'll have a couple of specials along the way too. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook? Not only will we be kept up to date on what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we'll also post our uh, picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check out the links in the show notes. In the meantime, we'll be back in two weeks' time when I'll be joined by Pav, from the Top 10 of Anything podcast to discuss the 2017 Hugh Jackman musical, The Greatest Showman. But until then, this has been a Nerds of Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, Elvis isn't dead, he just went home. Bye for now. You insensitive prick! Shut it up. I how much that stings. You're not